You're listening to a podcast from 702. Now it is a Wednesday. We'll be hosting Masterclass. We take the entire second hour of the show to really delve into a subject that we'd like to know more about. So please do write in M at 702.co.za that's m at 702.co.za and maybe there is a master class that you would like to hear about today's master class was actually sent through and suggested by Litabo Nkomo and um, what Litabo said was I love radio I love television and online streaming channels more than reading a thick book about a subject that is why I appreciate your master class sessions for in-depth information I would therefore like to suggest that you bring in an, an expert and cover the topic of amnesia i've got so many questions around this lack of memory phenomena which i'll admit admit most of my knowledge or lack thereof comes from what i've seen on tv shows so that's what today's discussion is about amnesia and before we delve into what it's all about maybe also share with us the first time you even discovered there was something called amnesia i think the first time i discovered amnesia was while watching days of our lives because john black had amnesia because stefano damera took his memory and put it on a stiffy drive (laughs) (laughs) on a serious note that was when i discovered this thing of your memory being taken away obviously it's a fictional space and there will never be medical explanations. But that's how I discovered that. How can somebody not remember who they are or what they've done? Guys, it was John Black whose memory was taken. So today, I am delighted for us to welcome Professor Andre Mochen from the Neurosciences Department at Wits University. Professor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for for bringing up this topic and, and, and thanks for asking me to share or probably even more the, so the listeners to share with us. Um, thanks for the invitation and hi to you and the listeners. Thank you so much. So let's delve into what amnesia is because there's an understanding just as the general public that, oh, you just lose your memory and it's possibly from head trauma. But what is amnesia in the medical sense what would qualify as amnesia yeah so the term you've actually translated it correctly from the greek so nesis means memory and amnesia is is the absence of memory so basically the negation of memory so when you lose your memory so that is the that is the 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 medical really definition of that term and really when we talk about amnesia it really occurs just on its own without any other kind of neurological manifestations or abnormalities. But if it really is there by itself, it's really a state where memory is affected and the learning ability at the same time out of proportion to other what we would call cognitive function functioning. So cognitive function is all our what we pride ourselves as humans mostly uh, higher brain functions, you know, the thinking processes, um, ability to reason, uh, concentrate, uh, ability to plan, you know, all those cognitive processes that go on in the brain. One of which is certainly memory. 
And if, if memory out of proportion to, to other cognitive processes or functions is affected um, or, or, or solely affected, then we talk of, 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 of what, what, what we are talking about now, namely amnesia. So just so we can clarify, Professor, I mean, I have this thing that happens where I just don't remember where I put my phone. Does that qualify as a form of amnesia? Amnesia is basically if you forget things. So it does. Yeah. Maybe, maybe before we even talk about, about um, those, those kinds of amnesia, if we go back to, to basics, when we talk about amnesia, we should first perhaps consider what memory actually is and what constitutes memory mm. and what types of memory are there. So maybe we should perhaps dwell just a bit on, 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 on memory mm. uh, before we talk about loss or lack of memory. So, so, so memory is really a complex brain function. Everybody knows it's in the brain. And when the brain gets shaken up, for example, by a traumatic brain injury, head injury, then you can actually lose your memory. So in the brain, the, the, the memory is organized in a very, very complex uh, um, scenario. And uh, it's, it's not like a straightforward um, thing that uh, when you injure your left motor cortex, you become paralyzed on the right-hand side. So memory is is much more more complexly organized in the brain with bilateral representation. But there are some anatomical structures inside the brain, really, that what one would call house memory or certainly are part of, of the memory process. And we would like to, to um, in neuroscience or neurology, uh, look at memory more of a, um, a circuit thing. So it's, it's a network thing rather than one spot in the brain or, or one lobe of the brain being being um, involved in, in in the memory process so it's it's really more of a, a, a network thing but but the the, the biggest the biggest um, sort of part of that network is probably localized in what we call the temporal lobe sort of the temporal part of the brain and that is um, that is uh, on both sides and it's connected to other structures in the deeps uh, in, in in the deeper parts of the brain so those are uh, memory circuits and, and and if there is anything going wrong, whether it's from an injury, from a stroke, or from an intoxication. For example, if you drink too much alcohol, you will actually interfere with those circuits and you will not have memory for when you were on that high. So so that is how we should look at, at memory and memory function, really. So basically, I mean, when we talk about memory function, it's, it's a very unconscious thing we do, except if we're trying to study and memorize a phone number, memorize our schoolwork. There you're taking the discussion now already to the next level, because that's exactly what we now need to dissect. There are, there are different types of memory. Like you say, you forgot just now where you've left your key. Or when you or when you were sent by your mother to buy bananas from the shop, you get to the shop, you've forgotten what you must buy. So there's different there's different types of memory. So so there is what we would call a short term memory, which is a brief working memory in the in the in the in the sense of a, a minute or, or or two or three. So where we briefly put things in a kind of a storage compartment, uh, sort it out, and then that does not need to accompany us longer time longer to, uh, for a, for a longer uh, period of time so that is uh, what we would call short term memory but then obviously there is long term memory and that is basically the memory that we build up as we grow 
over a lifetime. And those are the memories uh, that accompany us and that sometimes can get lost in a, in a, a situation of, of amnesia. Correct. So when you're speaking about, obviously, short-term memory, I mean, it will go as short as, um, you know, me wondering if I actually locked my car or not when I get into the office. Um, as far as how how long are we talking that short-term memory ex- extends as far as? Yeah, so really, the short, short-term memory is, is really defined um, medically as, as, as a minute or less. Mm. Uh, then it goes to already sort of more more medium medium term, but uh, the short term memory we test um, as doctors with what we call the immediate recall uh, test, and that is to give a person three or five words to memorize and then ask the person immediately to repeat them. So that is really testing that uh, that uh, that short term memory. Um, if we then ask that person those very same. Uh, words to repeat them after having spoken about other things and maybe spent another minute or two with other things. And then uh, we ask that person again to recall those words. And that is already what we would call a more medium term uh, type memory. But that is still something completely different from the long term memory that we build up uh, through through our lives. And um, when we look at me- at long term memory, really, they are all kind of different, different um different um, you know, parts involved or different different uh, scenarios to consider. So there's memory that we call, for example, um, that is the explicit type memory that we are fully aware of. Then, then there is um, another part of memory which is um, sort of unconscious or subconscious or implicit memory. So, so those are, for, for example, things like 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 walking. We walk automatically after we've learned it or, or riding a, a bicycle or, or tying the shoelaces. So that would be implicit or subconscious or unconscious memory. Often those are procedural things, you know, like certain skills and tasks, mm. whereas explicit memory is really what we consciously um, experience uh, or, and know as, as memory. And, and, and these can be very different types of things. Again, this can be memories of, of, uh, of events or, or things that we've done so that we would call that episodic memory. And then there's what we call semantic memory and a semantic memory is the memory of facts, concepts. And we know that we have learned that the capital of France is Paris. That is semantic memory, whether episodic memory is that you remember last year what happened over Christmas, for example. Mm, mm, mm. We're going to take a bit of a break, Professor. And we're going to continue this very fascinate, fascinating conversation on amnesia. And we will be taking your calls, any questions that you may have for the Professor. 011-883-0702. The WhatsApp line, 0727021702. Use those SMSs, 31702. Or tweet at Relebukhile M. 702. Masterclass. 21 minutes after 2 o'clock and we are having a masterclass on amnesia. We're speaking to Professor Andre Mohan from the Neurosciences Department at Wits University. And Professor, we were in the middle of discussing memories and I'm curious because there's a term that we use uh, when we are in the theatre just in terms of, or in music as well, in terms of rehearsing and practising a song or a performance over and over again so that it is in one's muscle memory. Is muscle memory an actual scientific term? 
Well, it's pretty much what you would uh, refer to as that kind of um, implicit uh, memory that I've just mentioned, whereby learned learned uh, tasks become then automatic ultimately. So this is like uh, we all remember going to to driving school and um, how we sweated through our um, uh, driving lessons and how we missed the clutch at times and did all those things did all those things with great difficulties. And as we then progress and rehearse, and you called it muscle memory, um, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, uh, these things become almost automatic and, and, and they become almost ingrained and programmed. Uh, and then they are no longer, uh, uh, they don't no longer uh, consciously uh, need to be recalled. Uh, it is basically something that happens uh, automatically. So this is what you would then, in, in, in that instance, uh, call a muscle memory or, or a procedural memory, exactly like you say. So they, the, 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 the trick to that is basically it is a task that, that we uh, learn and that we repeatedly uh, repeat and over and over again uh, until it really becomes, becomes um, automatic and unconscious. Now, how does the brain decide what information, you know, in its processing state, what information must be retained if it should be retained and where it should be retained? Look, the brain itself is um, consisting of all multiple um, multiple senses. Uh, inputs come from everywhere. There is smell, there is taste, there is uh, vision, there is um, uh, sound and hearing, uh, there is touch. Uh, so uh, the brain constantly uh, and we constantly get bombarded with input. And then the computer, which is our brain, does process. And that processing ultimately leads to whether or not memory is going to be laid down uh, out of a particular sensory information, for example. If if there is a repeated experience of something uh, that might be uh, causing more attention and therefore uh, become memory easier, than if it's just a, a brief encounter of sorts uh, of a visual uh, of a visual impression of something. So, so the brain, as uh, as complex as it is, is ultimately processing in 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 multiple networks um, uh, uh, these these uh, sensory impressions, and uh, the impressions are not only coming from the outside, but we do also have our our inner things, and those are what we would call our mood stages or our states or our emotions. Um, and this is input that comes from the inside, uh, whereby we, we uh, on, on one day might, might, might feel um, more prone to do something of that nature as opposed to of a different uh, type. So, so all those things are coming together and ultimately out of the mixture of all of, of all of those uh, functions, uh, the brain is forming memory ultimately. Where it is stored and how it is stored is, is really anatomically very, very uh, difficult uh, to explain or, or, or to know actually. And uh, like, I, like, I, like I said, it's, it's, it's more a, a network thing uh, than a, a localization. Although we think and we know that uh, within the depth of the temporal lobe, there's a structure called the um, hippocampus. Funny enough, it's uh, the Greek word for seahorse because it looks similar to a sea mm. seahorsey. Um, within that structure, there, there seem to be um, neuronal circuits 
which render themselves to ultimately, even at a cellular uh, a molecular level, uh, to to change, um, to change uh, the, the makeup of those cells and and, and change uh, um, receptability to certain transmitters. And on that basis, um, if there is certain things repetitively stimulated, uh, there is an upregulation of of certain genes that then make more receptors to allow more stimulation. So 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 those concepts, so those concepts have have been have been. Uh, proven and they, and and they have been well well uh, well named uh, and and some of that seems to be the basis of ultimately laying down uh, lying laying down uh, memory so let's then talk about um the different types of amnesia that are there uh we've seen different stories and characters experiencing amnesia in television and film uh we've heard of terms like blacking out what are the different types of amnesia and maybe we could start with the least serious of the amnesias that are there yeah you see if we talk about amnesia the first thing that we need to be aware of is that for memory to be uh, laid down or, or made, a person needs to be able to pay attention or there needs to be attention or attentive attentiveness. Without us being able to pay attention, uh, we are unable to lay down uh, memory. So when you sleep, for example, that period, your brain is not taking in input. And during sleep, you do not lay down memory. Likewise, if a person is unconscious, they are unable to form memory. So this is a basic concept that uh, we need to understand uh, when we're talking about uh, amnesia. So if you wish, uh, there is a a physiological amnesia for the periods that we are asleep because we would have not laid down memory. When so, it comes so to does that mean? Medical, so yeah. does that mean then, if and and what you're saying makes sense, but how does that apply to our relationship with dreams? Because if the brain doesn't have ability to lay down memory, and you kind of when you're having a dream, many people don't remember any of the dreams, but you can wake up and much later in the day just suddenly recall that you dreamt about something. Does it mean that even in that sleep state, your dreams? are not being laid down in your memory bank? Interesting question and actually unresolved medical mystery, really. Because exactly like you say, we do sometimes recall dreams, other times we don't. Uh, they can come back much later to our awareness. And this is exactly what happens in the depths of our brain of our computer mm. where these circuits basically form and, and 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 how it exactly comes about that today we do remember a dream and not tomorrow or not another and that there are certain patterns of dreams that we keep uh, recalling uh, so that, that is that is actually um, that is actually unknown so I, I will refrain from asking you why it was that during my pregnancy I would have such vivid dreams and wake up recalling absolutely everything, including the emotions attached to what was going on. It shows that the pregnancy clearly has affected your brain, which it should. But obviously <laughs> there are processes processes going on within the body and this is exactly uh, what 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 we're describing uh, that mm. uh, where the where the brain obviously forms uh, uh, where there are th- things happening in the brain and whether or not this has anything to do with you 
preparing yourself for motherhood or, or, or things along those lines. Um, some of that, uh, some of that uh, might be not as mechanistically explained as this, but certainly all of that uh, gets processed in the brain and part of that will enter memory or not enter memory. We're going to continue this conversation with Professor Andre Mochen from the Neurosciences Department at Wits University. We're talking a masterclass on amnesia and we'll talk about the different types of amnesia, the different causes. Uh, and I see some of your questions coming through on WhatsApp. Make sure you send them through 0727021702 or give us a call 011 702 Masterclass. And we are in conversation with Professor Andre Mohan from the Neurosciences Department at Wits University, and we're talking all things amnesia. Now, before we went to the headlines, we're talking about the different types of amnesia, Professor, and we're talking about those that are the least serious progressing up to those that are the most serious. And you were mentioning about sleep and the fact that the brain doesn't actually lay down memory in those moments. Which are the other moments that you'd say the brain doesn't lay down memory right uh, well any any uh, situation where we are um, not fully conscious fully aware or inattentive so that can be something as as simple as as not paying attention to something uh, whereby we then obviously not catch details of what, what is happening around us it can be illness that does that so it can be a, an illness that for example, um, affects the brain, um, like uh, um, uh, like uh, a meningitis, encephalitis, so where the mental state is altered for some other reason, uh, at which point we are unable to lay down memory. Uh, or if we are unconscious or in a coma for some other reason, even something as uh, as um, as simple as a, a drug intoxication. I've mentioned alcohol um, along those lines earlier during uh, w- which um, the brain is, is, is not fully operational and uh, there is no uh, attention uh, and there can't be any memory made. So that is essentially how you, how you have to see this. Are there any types of medications that can actually uh, cause that kind of memory loss? So, for example, hypnotic sedative uh, medication that puts you asleep is certainly able to... to, uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to um, prevent you from from uh, from laying down memory and other uh, other medications uh, that impair your alertness and your awareness uh, all of those uh, can interfere with your information of memory absolutely right so now there is the a type of memory called retrograde amnesia or let me say memory loss called re- retrograde amnesia can you share with us what that is all about yeah, I think at this point in the discussion, it's time to speak about that. Absolutely right. Uh, so when we talk about an event, let's say it's a traumatic brain injury or any other insult to the brain, we will experience um, uh, an amnestic period. And we look at that going back from the event. Let's say it's a car accident. You have retrograde amnesia. You become unconscious, but you can't remember anything up to a day or two or even longer before the car accident, right? Mm. When you had the head injury. That is called retrograde amnesia. So that is going backwards from the event that happened to the brain. Enterograde amnesia is the opposite. 
So once you had your traumatic brain injury, you are now in an unconscious state for a while. You obviously are unable to lay down memory, and that is called enterograde amnesia. And as you slowly emerge from your decreased level of consciousness or impaired level of consciousness, you will then be able to become more alert and aware and attentive and slowly regain memory. And so the process, the, the, and so the anterior grade amnesia is the period uh, of memory loss or amnesia following onto the, the, the incident or, or accident or trauma to the brain. We, we in fact use the duration of this amnesia period um, in, in clinical medicine uh, mm -hmm. to, um, as part of the tools by which we gauge the severity of a head injury. Uh, so if a patient has an amnestic deficit of, let's say, a month or two, we know this is quite a severe traumatic brain injury, whereas in a, in a mild concussion where there's a brief episode of loss of consciousness, that, that, that period might be only a few seconds or, or a minute or two, in which case it indicates a, a much less severe brain insult. And then, of course, there's, there, there are those people who um, have no recollection of big chunks of their childhood. I mean, obviously, nobody that I know of, at least, has memories from when they were three months old or six months old. Yeah. So that is what we call a relatively, that, that is, that is a, a physiological thing, really. So uh, that uh, we would not have laid down memory in these, in these very early, in these very early stages of, of our life. And uh, the, the, the typical uh, rule of thumb is that we really, the, the earliest we go back in our conscious memory, as in long-term memory, will be some events or episodes that we might recall from when we were four, five, six years old. So it really starts uh, only at that point where we really lay down this, what we call uh, autobiographical memory, where we really recall events uh, of our lifetime. Some may go back uh, to have little flashbacks from as early as three uh, years of age, but really four, five, six years is, uh, is, is a time where, we, where, where the brain has really matured uh, um, uh, to, uh, to, to, to that extent and the networks have uh, formed to that extent, uh, extent where we are able to, to really form an autobiographical memory. So what is the amnesia that a person has where they don't even remember who they are? Um, I met a woman who um, had bumped her head and she basically could not, she didn't know who she was. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know her family. And to this day, even though she's recovered from the injury, she has zero recollection. She had to relearn herself and her life. She even went as far as saying she loves her mother as much as she loves her boyfriend because she's known them the same amount of time. Yeah, same. So those are, those are situations that are, sometimes a bit difficult uh, to explain and there is a there is a, a border zone between uh, neurology and psychiatry um, but uh, but something that that you're describing here might be something similar along the lines of what we call a, a dissociative amnesia and and that is uh, an amnesia that is relatively specific um, to 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 um, autobiographical memory really and uh, dissociative amnesia can have many causes. Often those causes are more than physical insult to the brain, are more 
at an emotional um, trauma level. So, for example, you know, participation in, in war mm. uh, or combat or a natural disaster, earthquake or um, more, more common even in, in childhood or, or, or even later on um, adult life trauma, uh, sexual uh, misuse or, or abuse. So those kind of things might uh, uh, trigger a, a dissociative state whereby that person has then almost blended out parts of, of, of their lives uh, out of the memory. And, uh, and, and that is uh, perhaps what, what, uh, what part uh, of that, uh, what that person that you're describing might be experiencing. Although you told, uh, uh, when you uh, told the story, you mentioned that it was actually after a, a head injury. Is yes. that what you said? Yes, it was after a head trauma. Look, it's hard, it's hard to, uh, to, uh, to say it will really um, be, be depending to a degree on the severity of the head injury and, and, the, the, and, and, and actually what really was damaged in the brain as a result of the head injury. So certainly those kind of things um, do happen and can happen. The commonest real um, cause of, of, of amnesia is, um, and that is a more severe form, obviously, is what we, uh, what we, what we see in elderly people who go on to develop what we call dementia. Mm. There's a, a, quite a difference between amnesia and dementia, but uh, many dementias, or certainly the most common form of dementia, the old age dementia of Alzheimer's disease, starts uh, with, with memory loss before it involves other cognitive spheres, basically. So, uh, so that is uh, people who are ultimately um, forgetting, forgetting things, they're becoming more and more forgetful until it impairs their, their, their daily functioning. So that is a, a, a characteristic form of, of, of amnesia that occurs with a, with a dementing process of the Alzheimer's disease type. Thank you so much, Prof, for that. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're taking your calls on 011-883-0702. I see your WhatsApps and your voice notes, 072-702-1702. Masterclass. We are taking your calls, 011-883-0702, your WhatsApps, 072-702-1702, your tweets at Relebuchile M, and your SMSs on 31702. And we are talking all things amnesia on today's master class. Class, We've got Professor Andre Mochen from the Neurosciences Department at Wits University. Here are some of your voice notes uh, that we're going to have the professor answer for us. Hi, Radio 702. Thanks for the topic about amnesia. Uh, this is anonymous. Yeah, I think I do suffer from amnesia um, because I tend to forget a lot of things, especially short-term memory. But I read an article about it, and what I've noticed is it's not that you forgot about anything. It's the pathway to remembering it in your brain that's obscured. So I've used drugs for like seven years, I'm five years sober now, but I can feel that the effect of me using drugs is the reason why I suffer from short-term amnesia. I haven't checked it yet at the doctors. I'd like you to indicate or give info on that. Thank you. Oh, Professor, I mean, he mentions there uh, the history with the drug use. Yeah, so that is probably something that one would call a, a risk factor for developing amnesia or ultimately uh, even more serious cognitive dysfunction. It's a very fine line um, when you talk uh, about genuine amnesia uh, versus, you know, simple forgetfulness. 
And um, it is really uh, considered significant when the forgetfulness or amnesia, for that matter, interferes with your daily functioning and uh, it impairs your, your, your ability to function as an individual, whether it's in your work life or whether it's in your private life or your family life. So th- that is how we would uh, need, to, need to see that. But if there is a concern, the first good news for the gentleman is that if he is or when he is at a level himself to recognize that he is forgetful, he is usually not that impaired. Uh, so most people really who have amnesia do not bring themselves to, to medical attention. So that gets picked up by family members, colleagues, uh, who then really say there's something wrong with that person and he's forgetting too much. And then it becomes really clinically irrelevant or an issue. But in the gentleman's uh, situation, obviously, the drugs in the background might be something that one need to explore, explore and have, have uh, looked into, into, more, into more detail. Our next voice note. Hi, Kilibokhili. This is Kanisa from Voice. This topic on memory is actually very, very interesting. I cons- and I, I'm wondering what is the link between me- memory and intelligence? So I am functionally well. I am well educated. I even have a, um, an MBA, but I cannot remember anything. But if I'm in a situation where I have to do something, somehow I'm able to deduce what is the right cause of action. But if I have to think about events and times and places, I am useless. Thank you. That's a very, very good question. Professor? Yeah, it's, 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 it's very interesting. And, and, and the observation of the listener are quite are quite um, uh, clear. And, and, and this has to really do with the different types of memory that we, that, uh, we produce and that we lay down. And it has to do with uh, uh, declarative mem- memory that we are fully aware of, procedural memory, which is more based on uh, automated learning. And uh, there can be uh, people, and it's not really a question of uh, intelligence, who are more capable along along those different lines of of memory. And it has to do also, in a way, with a person's uh, state of mind as to what the brain considers important. And maybe where she put her key or where she needs to go next is not as much of a priority in, in, in her subconscious mind and therefore not uh, an important memory as opposed to when she ha- has to uh, write an exam to pass her, her BA, um, BA degree, for example. So th- that is how, how one would look into that. Okay, I've got another one. Such an interesting topic on amnesia. Just a quick question. How does one know if you're dealing with an amnesia or it's actually Alzheimer's? And reason being, I've got a grandmother who's now forgetful and actually it has escalated to, you know, not remembering who's who. Do we then say it's Alzheimer's or is it still amnesia? And is there a recovery? Mm. Professor? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very common question and, and it's exactly that point where does become amnesia a, a clinical problem or the memory loss becomes significant to a degree where one needs to be concerned about Alzheimer's or dementia. Alzheimer's, the, the commonest presentation of early Alzheimer's is really losing memory. 
But uh, with time, there are other abilities or other cognitive uh, domains or abilities that get uh, that get involved uh, with Alzheimer's. So you find, um, other than them becoming uh, forgetful and, and losing more and more memory, uh, they might get lost on their way to a previously familiar familiar place. So that is a loss of, of visuospatial uh, memory function or visuospatial uh, involvement. They might uh, have difficulties finding uh, words and they might uh, really then ultimately uh, uh, have difficulty expressing themselves and, and the speech becomes involved. So it's, it's, it's something in, in an in a elderly person who loses memory um, to a degree uh, to, to bear in mind that this could be the beginning of Alzheimer's and one would really need to look into those other cognitive domains, is there involvement or not, or is the memory loss really affecting to a degree where there is impairment of, of daily functioning and then it should lead to uh, concern uh, of dementia. Alzheimer's disease or Alzheimer's dementia is a progressive, what we call neurodegenerative condition, uh, which is ultimately um, uh, not really treatable, but gradually does progress uh, on and on. Um, that is, uh, that is uh, what Alzheimer's really is. And if that is the concern, one would really need to go and have it checked uh, properly by uh, a neurologist, ultimately. Professor, thank you so much. The time went by so fast. Um, I, I think that... You know, there's so many questions which we're going to have to read about, but I really, really appreciate your time and being able to answer everybody's uh, question, especially providing the clarity around Alzheimer's, dementia and amnesia. But of course, if you are listening and you are querying somebody in your life or yourself, please go and check some medical attention. That is Professor Andre Mohan from the Neurosciences Department at Wits University. This is your masterclass on amnesia.